1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show. And we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Let me get into this topic here. So, this is a continuation of a topic we produced about I'm gonna say four or five days ago. Essentially, we produced a show that was centered on some comments that Vlad had made about Taraj P. Henson, where she had come out and basically um, expressed uh, her displeasure of the way she had been the, the way that she was being treated in Hollywood given her tenure, given all the movies that she had done. And she found it, she, she made it seem as if <clears throat> she was basically scratching and clawing to still get a, a, a foothold within the industry. Um, and it was something that really, that, that actually brought her to tears. So what we want to do is want to quickly play what she had to say here. And then we're going to come back and continue on the show just to give you guys some context. So take a listen to that there.
1: And I heard on the street, Taraji, you had the audacity to say, you're thinking about getting, stopping acting. We said, stop talking. Hmm. Are you thinking about it? Um, I'm just tired of working so hard, being gracious at what I do, getting paid a fraction of the cost. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of hearing my sister say the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, you get tired. Mm-hmm. I hear people go, you work a lot. Or yes. well, have to. Mm-hmm. The math ain't mathin'. And when you start working a lot, you know, you have a team. Big bills come with what we do. We don't do this alone. The no. fact that we're up is a whole entire team behind us. Yes. They have to get paid. So when you hear someone saying, oh, such and such made $10 million, no, that's not that, that didn't make it to their account. Mm. Know that off the top, Uncle Sam is getting 50%. That's yes, right. Okay? So do the math. Now we have 5 million. Your team is getting 30% or whatever your team is off of what you grossed, Sometimes not more. after what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. Mm. So. I just, I'm You're tired. I'm, a, I'm only human and, and mm-hmm. it seems every time I do something and I break a, another glass ceiling, when it's time to renegotiate, I'm at the bottom again. Mm-hmm. Like I never mm-hmm. did what mm-hmm. I just did. Mm-hmm. And I'm just tired. tired. Yeah. I'm tired.
2: So you heard what she had to say. So she put out those comments and Vlad basically took it upon himself to basically try to uh, shut her down and say oh no 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 uh, there's no need for you to complain about the industry if it's that hard go out there if, 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 you, if you're if you're unsatisfied uh, with the way things are go start your own go go do your own movies you know go go uh come up there with your with your own uh, production lines and all of that stuff you do it for yourself i mean on top of that you have you're living in a six million dollar house nobody feels sorry for you you should be able to do it for yourself and some of the people began to push back push back on vlad some of them were some of his guests, Matt Hoffa, pushed back on him like, well, listen, bro, you don't have the answers, number one. Number two, what you're saying does not discount the fact that what she's talking about about in terms of a systemic issue, uh, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. right? It, do- it doesn't mean that. Just because you're saying, oh, stop complaining about it, that doesn't mean that what she's saying is not true. <clears throat> He said that TK Kirkland was on this show, and he basically explained some of the uh, some of the, the struggles uh, that African American um, um, uh, what is it actors and actresses have to face in Hollywood when trying to you know uh, get get fair compensation. And we even produced the show. We talked we talked about an article featuring uh, that was centered on Hattie Ma- Hattie McDaniel's that talked about the challenges that she had to face in the industry. So. I got upset with Vlad because he's acting like as if this is something that doesn't exist within the industry. So what happened? This morning, I turn on my computer and I see an interview uh, from one of his guests, Michael Jaw White, who's a regular. He comes there at least two or three times a year. Um, and I think his most viewed clip on that channel was the one where Vlad asked him the question of how would you have responded if Will Smith... Did what he did to Chris Rock if he did it to you on that, that on 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 the Oscar stage? That video I believe has about six million views if I'm not mistaken. So, Michael Jaw White brings in brings in a lot of eyeballs uh, to Vlad TV. So, I tuned into this particular clip here, and in this clip uh, was centered on the comments that Taraj P Henson made, the ones that we ju- the one that we just played for you earlier in this show, um, and Vlad was then interjecting his response to what she had to say, right? And what he was trying to get was the reaction or, or gain an understanding of what Michael Jai White was uh, you know, was uh, was going to say. And it turns out Michael Jai White 100% agreed with Taraj P. Henson. So for those of you who didn't hear what he had to say, want to play what he had to say for you now, and we're going to come back and give you guys our thoughts. Take a listen to that.
0: The thing that's on everyone's mind, and I have a role in all this, mm-hmm. as we'll, we'll discuss in a little bit, is the whole Taraji P. Henson thing. Okay. Now, did you see the interview that she
3: did? Yes, I did. The, I, Number one, what'd you think about that interview? Well, I mean, my heart went went out. I mean, I I do recognize as a, as an artist, like another one that's, you know, not appreciated. But just so much, just so many of, of black artists are just not appreciated, hmm. and that just goes with the whole um, with the whole industry. Um, just recently, I saw an interview with Terrence Howard. Her counterpart, who's been a co-star of hers for a long time, is essentially the same story. But I thought I commented at one time on the fact that um, Terrence had gotten such little money for Hustle & Flow. Yeah. Yeah. um, And that just, you know, that's part of the course. That's what happens. Sometimes you're doing these things to to increase your um, visibility and, you know, give you more opportunities going forward. Yeah, he got $12,000. For yeah, twelve thousand dollars for starring in that movie, which is which is egregious, right? Yeah, to some level. But there's um, there's things that you weigh out in, in in particular parts of your career that you're going to do that for the sake of the long run, right? Yeah. Uh, but I understand someone like T- Taraji who has been around in a you know for a very long time. Uh, it's like man, it it, it it sucks when you have to sing for your supper, right? I. I I know this all too well, and I warn a lot of a lot of women, a lot of uh, you know, act uh, female actors, that this comes this 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 industry comes um, takes a lot of your blood in a way, and you got to really love it uh, because it's not going to love you in in a number of ways. Because it's show it's called show business for a reason because it's business Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it. Yeah, and now, someone like Taraji, I mean, like, she is an amazing performer. Agreed. And one of, the, one of the things about her is that she uses herself as a vessel for us all. And that's where her, her strength and talent lies. Even though the reality of, of the situation is that, you know, I mean, if that was my sister, my, if my, you know, she's my little sister, I'm like, we're going to get a team to create avenues for you. That, that befits you. Of course I come from that world because who was going to write Black Dynamite but me, hmm. right? So, but here's another thing, though, but you can't put that on them. Like, it's kind of like a thing. Well, I, I go back and I think about, like, I, I remember back in 97, I had this conversation with Angela Bassett and the fact that um, she was so exalted and so uh, revered, but yet um, wasn't... She wasn't getting the the roles that that she wanted, or the respect that she felt like she deserved, and she was you know she was right, and I was really trying to encourage her to um, you know produce get these things produced for herself. Well, okay, cats out of the bag, Angel Bass and I used to date. Okay, so um, I remember at the time, her response was, "Jamie Lee Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't have to do this. So and so doesn't have to do this," and I said, "Yeah, well." Uh, it's you know There's a different circumstance And you know how, how we're treated And it's going to take a little bit more Now that was a weird thing to say. Like you know that's something from a male Perspective like we're talking about Okay you know having to do these things. I mean of course it, it, it feels unfair For For Angela or Taraji or anybody To have to step to Links that no one else No other white counterpart has to step 2 right it's it it's really disconcerting so but the, but also we got to be be careful as like people like you and myself i mean we're guys right we we forge forward we kick down the doors we have to do that right um that's kind of our work ethic can't put that on um you know i mean i i feel like that that's a little little rough on an actress
2: so you heard what he had to say this is no surprise. The only person that's surprised by this is Vlad and people that agree with Vlad. Obviously, the people talking about the issue that, expe- that are experiencing it, obviously they're going to have a first-hand, uh, they, they're going to have firsthand knowledge of it, and they're going to know more about it than the person who has never produced the movie, never sourced resources to make a movie, never directed movies, nothing like that. Obviously, they're going to have more of an insight. So for Vlad or anyone holding the position of Vlad to argue against the people that are actually that are actually experiencing it speaks to the level of arrogance that you must have. How would you know what she's saying is true or not when you yourself have never been in that position? And I'm talking about the vast majority of the people watching uh, these shows. How would you know? Number one. Number two, there's a history that exists within... Hollywood. Why is it all of a sudden now, all of a sudden we're acting like we don't know what's going on? I can understand if it was one person that said it or two people that said it. But you have literally a litany of black actors and actresses that have been complaining about this very thing. You also have the thing about the bloody dress where they always talk about black actors have to wear this this damn dress right it was one of the things that dave Chappelle, you know spoke about when he was on oprah's show where he said what's what the hell is going on like i don't want to wear this dress right this is these are things that they talk about so for for vlad to act like as if he doesn't understand what she's talking about or to simplify it or distill the conversation down to oh why don't you just go out there and make your own movies i'm like you would know because you have how many movies in your filmography how many zero but you would know how easy it is just to, to just flippantly say, oh, just go out there and do your own, go do your own thing. Go do, go do your own movies. He said it so flippantly. And that's what, th- that's what annoyed me. Number one. Number two, why are you the one commenting on this? Why are you the one commenting on it? It's not affecting you, and it's quite frankly none of your business. So why are you commenting on it? That's the part that was annoying me. Like Vlad had this nerve to feel like he had a right to put his opinion out there, and his his opinion should be weighed. Why? Why should your opinion be weighed on this matter? You have no experience dealing with this at all. At all. So why were you? Why were you so keen on going? And then he he made the dumbest point of them all. And I'm glad that Michael Jawaya ad- ad- Michael White addressed it in that soundbite at the very end, where he said. It doesn't matter if the person has money, that doesn't mean that their feelings and the, and, 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 and the emotions that they're going through are not real. I'm lost. So if you have $10 million walking out in your pocket and you're walking down the street and somebody calls you a, a some type of racial slur, you're going to tell me you ain't going to feel it just because you have money. Let's cut the BS. There are a lot of people who have money who are sensitive to insults quite literally. There are a lot of rich people with money that have that that are that are that, 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 that their skin is as thin as paper. As thin as paper. So for you to say, oh, nobody wants to hear about it, you're, you're telling her to do something that other people don't do. Vlad himself, who's a millionaire, I've seen him whine and moan and bitch about things that people have said about him and responded to, well, you have money, so why are you responding? I mean, why are you responding? But he's telling, "Oh no, no, you don't need to respond. Nobody feels sorry." Like, man, cut it out. She wasn't asking anybody to feel sorry for her. She was talking about something that she didn't like that was taking place. That doesn't that 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 not only affects her but affects other people like her. So for you to come out here. And for you to start commenting on it, somebody got to ask a question like, oh, time out. What qualifies you to even speak? And why should we even be taking you seriously? Why? So these are my thoughts, man. That's why I was annoyed with him. And if you notice, every guest of color that he's brought on this show has agreed with her. He's the only one that holds that position. The reason is because he cannot understand it because he himself has not gone through it so of course he can't understand it so for him to just say oh get over it it's really really offensive now if you're enjoying this show be sure to follow us on facebook at dreamers pro official instagram at dreamers pro and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show now let's continue to the next segment let me get into this story so yesterday we got a bombshell story that dropped right came out of nowhere I was actually just going through my phone and all of a sudden I got the news that uh uh Milwaukee Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin uh got fired and I was like wait 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 what then I quickly ran over to look at the NBA standings and I saw that they had the number two record in the Eastern Conference with a 30 and uh what is it a 30 and 13 record and I believe that they are tied for the second best record in the NBA. And I'm like, you fire a head coach with that type of record? Am I am I missing something here? And then some people started saying, no, you have to delve deeper into the numbers. You know, there were certain signs, things that were trending in the direction that um wasn't positive positive, the defensive numbers and things like that. So there was there was some there there was cause for concern and the record uh wasn't really reflected. And I'm like, man, if David Griffin's job uh, if um, Adrian Griffin's job is not it's not guaranteed, then whose job is in the NBA? My god, uh, so that news came out, and then like a few minutes later, I saw a post. I believe what's it was from Bleacher Report. I, I shared it on my Instagram story. If you're not following me on Instagram, my handle is C T A B A N Z, and they said Doc Rivers, uh, was uh, was is being highly considered for the coaching job, and I just burst out laughing. I'm like, you gotta be kidding, Doc Rivers must have the best agent. In all of sport. It's unreal how fast I've seen Doc Rivers get fired and hired within a span of a week. This man, uh, the, what is it, Adrian Griffin gets fired. And within the same night, they hire Doc Rivers. I was absolutely beside myself. I couldn't believe, I could not believe how fast uh Doc Rivers was able to get a coaching gig. So, we then found out that Doc Rivers was getting a coaching gig. So, this morning... I was going through the internet and I came across an article from Fadeaway, and they had and it had the following headline. It says Giannis Antetokounmpo lost faith in Adrian Griffin before shocking firing. I was like, hmm, this is pretty interesting. So let me just get into the article here. Uh It continues on by saying Giannis Antetokounmpo's lack of belief in the new head coach is what prompted the Bucks to fire him with the team. Uh, at thirty and thirteen, the Milwaukee Bucks fired Adrian Griffin Jr. less than six months into his stint as a head coach after he joined the, in the offseason to replace Mike Budenholzer. The Bucks are thirty and thirteen, holding the second uh, best record in the East. Their strong form uh, has led to questions about why uh, Griffin was let go. Uh, with Chris Mannix revealing that several veterans, including Giannis Antetokounmpo, had lost faith in the rookie head coach. There have been steady rumblings for a week in NBA circles that several Buck veterans, including Giannis, uh, had lost faith in Griffin, which appeared to be a smart hire last spring. Uh, just never uh, worked out. Um, and, and then he, here's the tweet. You can, see, you, you, you can see it there from Chris Mannix. In addition, uh, the team's marquee offseason acquisition, Damian Little, all to me ended up struggling uh, to adjust to the Bucks offensive schemes. Uh, something that the front office thought was a big problem due to the haul they traded to Portland to acquire Lillard. Along the way, league sources say Lillard has spent much uh, of this season struggling with the way the Bucks uh, function on the offensive end while he had remained patient with coaches and teammates. There was an inevitable pressure on Griffin from the organization to make the most of Lillard's talent in the kind of way that validates the choice to part ways with Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, and three first-round picks to land um, uh, him. And then the article goes on to say something about Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, head-picking coaches right here. What are my thoughts about this? Um... It's uh, it's an interesting one because, again, the coach did have a very good record, right? He had a very good record, 30 and 13. A lot of teams in the NBA that would love to have that record. So they had a good record. So it goes to show you that if this team, if the players were losing faith in the coach and all of that, and they were still able to extrapolate uh, this type of success, it makes you wonder that maybe the Milwaukee Bucks think that this team, should be the best team in the NBA by a wide margin uh, if they're willing to let go of this coach just six months into his job. That's the first thing. Maybe the expectations are extremely, extremely uh, high. That's one thing. Another thing I think about this is we don't give enough credit to uh, Ime Odoka. Ime Odoka is one of the, I think he's the coach that really started this trend of hiring first-year coaches for big positions. It was Ime Odoka, um. After Brad Stevens stepped down at the ball with the Boston Celtics, uh, and then from there we saw Darvin Ham uh, get the job with the Los Angeles Lakers, and then now we saw uh, Adrian Griffin get this job as well. Emeo Odoka has been has proven, uh, as a matter of fact, that uh, he is a very good basketball coach. If you look at the Houston Rockets this year, they're much more competitive um, under his leadership. They play with grit. They're going to defend. Uh, they play harder, right? Last year, you could not say that about this this basketball team. So I think that in all of this, we don't give Emil Odoka enough credit for being a fantastic, um, uh, what is it, head coach. Now, some people may be saying, well, Giannis to is a coach killer, is a coach killer. I don't know that because I remember Giannis being loyal to Michael, Mike, Mike Budenhoser to a fault. I mean and he he I mean, you think this guy was bad that guy was horrendous even though they won a the championship he was Mr anti adjustments it was I mean it was terrible he was terrible and Giannis still followed his coach and followed and, and marched uh to the beat of his drum and he supported his coach so um it's an unfortunate situation and now they replace him with doc rivers who i have absolutely zero confidence in especially after the debacle that took place with the los angeles clippers but uh, i guess we have to wait and see but it was definitely a shock to the system to hear this news come out now if you're enjoying this show be sure to follow us on facebook at dreamers pro official instagram at dreamers pro and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show now let's continue to the next segment So yesterday we produced some shows, about two shows around some of the comments that Gilbert Arenas made. One of them that he made about Michael Jordan, suggesting that, because they were arguing about skill, and he said, Jordan Poole has more of of a skill set than Michael Jordan. He totally lost me. And we discussed it off the air, and he was like, you're misinterpreting my point. I'm like, I don't know why you would say that. Then I even asked him about um, hit to rank his top three players or top five. I believe he said... Jordan LeBron Kobe I think he said Shaq and Mike and Magic Johnson and I told him I got Jordan um what did I say Jordan Kareem Kobe uh and and LeBron and we kind of had that back and forth but I asked him why he said that so a lot of this is just all basketball related nothing nothing personal but uh, I like to sometimes you know I shot him a message because I, I think he maybe didn't see where that Video came from, but anyway, I disagree with that point. So, anyway, what happened yesterday? An interview was dropped um, from Paul George's podcast, right? Um, Paul George uh, podcast, um, and it was featuring Gilbert Arenas. And in this podcast, it was about it was over an hour, uh, if I, my memory serves me right. And they were talking about a lot of things. They spoke about Kobe Bryant. They spoke about Gilbert Arenas' his relationship with LeBron. They spoke about Michael Jordan. And when they got to the point of when they were discussing Michael Jordan they, Gilbert Arenas started to explain why a lot of people consider Michael Jordan to be the greatest player of all time. And as he was explaining it, he said something that was very shocking to me because Gilbert Arenas admitted that Michael Jordan became the greatest player of all time in 1988, 1988. That's what he said on the Paul George podcast. So you heard. What you, uh, so, so what we want to do is want to quickly play what uh, Gilbert Arenas had to say here about Michael Jordan when he became the GOAT, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to what he had to say here.
0: When Bird and Magic was, you know, battling, and when Jordan came in, what they seen was a whole different animal, mm-hmm. right? You see, you're seeing something that is different, moves different, talks different, mm-hmm. approaches the game different, swag, phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? This is the best thing we've seen. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't give a f- what he does. This is the best player we've ever seen. right? That, it was the eye test. Right? 88, 87, 88, like, he literally went from the wings, they took the wings off, he got the logo. Yeah. <laughs> they gave him a logo in 88. People don't, <laughs> people don't realize that he got the logo in 88. <laughs> right? They took the wings off and say, you got Jordan. Right, So that whole campaign and that is considered the greatest individual year anybody could have had. That's when he became the best player ever. Mm -hmm. There was no ring. There -hmm. was no, the rings is just what they they get to use now. Six, it was just the way he did it. He carried what we have now, solo mission. Mm -hmm. It's hard to beat solo mission with stats. LeBron, LeBron can win six rings right now. Anyone solo. They're not giving it to him. Yeah. Right? You're not giving a dude who started this joint. Yeah. Right? It's just. It's <laughs> tough to do. It's tough. Yeah. Like, you know, so basically everybody just fighting for second. Yeah. That's an interesting take. That, right there. But there comes a, you, you're talking about 88, 89, right? They're saying he's the best player in the world who's ever played this game. You got somebody with 11 rings. They're like, oh, I did it against white folks. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you have, you know, same thing with Wilt. No matter what it is, it wasn't against. Like '78 when it merged, and you had all you had the best in the world all in one building. Mm-hmm. That's when stats really matter. Yeah, when everybody in the world is all together. Yeah, right. Julius Irving, all of them. George Gervin. Yeah. Now we're gonna see. So when he came and like, oh, what's this? This, this is this is God right here. This is him. Yeah. Right. And everybody defends him too. Like he was doing that while being hand checked. He was doing that. Wow, uh, no D, no D three. Like he was doing that. Wow, like everybody has the the defense for why he is the greatest of all time, and that, and that's 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 the frustrating part because I'm a Jordan fan, so I fight for all of them, right? Um, the problem ain't that you're fighting for you know his greatness. You're you're saying all his positives on why he is, but everybody's negative on why they shouldn't be, mm-hmm. right? That's the problem. Why mm-hmm. you got to use all the negatives on why this person can't be Jordan. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I'm like, well, like we that have you, what was the, what negatives do you hear about Magic game, Jordan game? Will,
2: you don't hear nothing negative about their game, but you can, they can tell you all ours. Mm-hmm. So you heard what Gilbert Arenas had to say. Here's what's interesting. 1988, Michael Jordan had only been in the league four years. Four years, I, I would assume MJ had probably less than 10,000 points at that point or maybe around ten. I don't know how many points he would have had in those four years. So for Michael Jordan to be considered the greatest player of all time in 88, that means that a lot of these arguments we're having around stats are quite pointless, even according to Gil. Gil has said two things. He has two schools of thought that are conflicting with each other. On the one hand, he says that players, we evaluate players not based on stats. That's what fans and the medias do. And the media does. Then on the other hand, he will then use stats to make a case for players like LeBron James. Therein lies the conflict. Because Gilbert Arenas was already able to determine that by 1988, Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time. As we sit here, as we currently sit here and speak, he... Also agrees that Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, which means that any argument he's making about LeBron is still compiling stats and still compiling numbers and all of that stuff. It means that Gilbert Arenas came to a conclusion a long, 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 long time ago that MJ was the greatest player ever after having a decent enough sample size of seeing LeBron, Kobe, and all of these guys play to say that this guy is the GOAT. Which is the reason why I'm always surprised to hear him make these LeBron, pro-LeBron arguments. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. He says that Kobe Bryant is his favorite player of all time. He has him number three all time. He has LeBron number two. I've asked Gilbert Arenas this. And maybe one day, who knows? We'll do a show. Who knows? I don't know. Whatever, whatever the future holds. I don't know. And I asked him. Who's the other, because I, t- I think Kobe's better. I said, who's the better offensive player? He said, Kobe. I said, who's the better defensive player? He said, Kobe. I said, who's more clutch? He said, Kobe. I said, who's more mentally tougher? He said, Kobe. So why aren't you saying it's Kobe Bryant? That's what I've asked him. I think in his heart of heart, he believes it's Kobe. This is what I personally believe. But I think he likes LeBron as a person, maybe because I'm, I'm assuming they know each other. And he wants him to be held in a high regard And maybe he doesn't like the fact that people criticize him so much. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to compare somebody to Michael Jordan, or dare I say, say that that person is better than Michael Jordan, you better believe people are going to scrutinize that person's basketball game. You better believe it. And when you're putting up somebody against Jordan, that person better be perfect in all aspects. Stats, accomplishments, the eye test, all of it. And in all of those cases, I believe Jordan clears by a wide gap. I 100% believe that. I have seen games of Jordan playing because I wasn't old enough to watch him play with the Chicago Bulls. I'm sorry for the dweebs in the background. Oh, you watch. Well, yeah, I wasn't old enough. You must be 156,000 years old that you saw everybody play. I didn't. Most of these dudes talking about Hakeem, I mean, talking about, about Bill Russell and all of them, they watch tape of them. What do you, like? What do you think is going on? How do you think Kobe and all of these guys studied? And you think they were old enough to watch them? No. Stop being a dodo. So, I've watched videos of Jordan play. I've seen games of him. I saw the Last Dance. I've researched his numbers. I've researched his accomplishments. I think saying LeBron is close to Jordan is the single biggest joke you can make in basketball. I do not see it. It's just not close on any level. On any level. Remove the stats. Watch these two guys. Watch a full game of LeBron in his prime. Go watch a full game of Michael Jordan in his prime. And there's no way anybody would walk away from it. Walk away from that and say, you know what? I think this guy's better. It's impossible. It is impossible. It is absolutely impossible to to even reach that conclusion. And I think Gil knows that too. I think the reason he keeps fighting for LeBron because he knows y'all, these LeBron fans, gonna be butthurt. But he knows. I've heard Gilbert Arenas talk about Kobe. He's like, Kobe's like, I never. He's like, I've never seen anything like it. He said. He he said he makes shots. He said, but it's weird. Like the shots that he makes, he's like, it's like as if nobody's like he shoots like as if nobody's near him. He said it's weird. That's Gilbert Arenas describing Kobe Bryant. That's him. And here you hear him saying that MJ was already considered the GOAT in '88. In 1988. So what we're really talking about, I don't know. So whenever he brings up stats and all of that, that's why Rashard McCann is always pushing back because he's like, which one is it? Are we using stats or are we not using stats? Which one is it? Which one is it? And that's where you have the disconnect. That's where you have the disconnect. You got to think, 1988, that season, Jordan averaged 35 with 1.6 blocks. As a guard, 3.2 steals. He led the NBA in steals. He led the NBA in points that year. He led the NBA in minutes played. And he played 82 games that year. Are you freaking kidding me? So to me, listen, I think Yo knows it. Everybody knows it. And anybody else saying otherwise is just in flat-out denial. I don't believe it. We're one of the few people on YouTube. There's some people that say, oh, I think it's close. I don't think it's close. Dreamers Pro is saying he don't think it's close. I don't think it's close at all. At all, at all, at all. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Let me get into this topic here. So yesterday there was a big game. or so I thought between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers, that game actually came on like around 315 AM where I am in the UK right now. So I actually went to bed early to wake up to watch it. So I woke up and I missed the majority of the first quarter and then I was watching. I'm like, why don't I see LeBron playing? Why don't I see LeBron play- playing? And then I realized that LeBron wasn't playing and I immediately lost interest in the game. The reason I lost interest because uh, that LeBron wasn't playing is was because I wanted to see these two teams at full strength. And when I didn't see that, I am like, ah, it was a bit of a letdown for me. So that's the reason you're not hearing me hollering about it today, uh, even though the Clippers um, uh, won that game. But even though, even in that game, uh, you saw Russell Westwood play well. The game before that, the Clippers had an absolutely improbable comeback win against the Brooklyn Nets where they outscored them forty. 40- to 15 in the fourth quarter and scored 22 points in a row and then the person that was at the head of that charge was who won russell westbrook it's amazing given all of the stuff that we've heard about russell westbrook over the last few years now what am i talking about As you guys know over two years ago russell westbrook joined the lakers at the time when he joined the lakers you had people in the media that was sitting up there twerking it up all over the place knocking over drinks throwing honey, saying honey, honey, slapping each other with honey, rubbing each other's bellies with honey all over the place, gyrating, talking about, oh, we're going to win the championship, just you wait, high five with some honey in my hand. That's what they was doing. They was twerking it up, living, living it up, living la vida loca, these people. Then what happens? Turns out that season, it ends up being an a total disaster the Lakers didn't even make it into the playing tournament. Halfway through the season, they all came to the conclusion that Russell Westbrook was the problem. By the second year, there were stories that were being released of Russell Westbrook being a vampire in the locker room. This came from the uh, uh, Dave McManaman, that Russell Westbrook was a vampire. I ain't never heard nothing like that before that you compare a blood-sucking vampire i was like really i never heard this about russell westbrook on any other team before in the history since he's been a basketball player the minute he gets to the lakers now all of a sudden he grows fangs and now he's a vampire what ha- well, what happened yesterday uh during the tnt broadcast after the game they were covering it and then uh they were going through the highlights and shaq was in the studio and as they were going through the highlights shaq basically called them out on live tv and said the lakers tried to ruin russell westbrook's career so what we want to do is we want to quickly play what Shaq had to say about the Lakers, trying to ruin Russell Westbrook's legacy, I'm going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to what Shaq had to say here.
0: Kawhi Leonard in. LeBron James. Let that money green. That fabric money green. Lakers on the break. Oh.
2: Just as he planned it. it
0: Anthony Davis had 10 in the first quarter. This play was phenomenal. Oh, and as Candace no pointed problem. out, good shoe marketing
2: yes, from Russell Westbrook. Russ's plan right there. No
0: shoe, no problem.
3: I don't kick that bad boy off.
2: That's perfect. He planned that. And
3: he's gonna
0: play defense now, You could say what you want about Westbrook, but that man is entertaining. Then drives right in. It looked personal for him against the Lakers. And then rocks the baby. Yeah, they try to ruin his career, huh? Mm-hmm. Did
2: somebody mop the floor? And
0: then Westbrook. Oh Ooh, get up, Russ.
2: So you heard what Shaq had to say. My question to you guys is this: um, why isn't the Lakers saying this? Uh the Clippers saying this. Why didn't the Washington Wizards say this? Why didn't the Oklahoma City Thunder say this? Why didn't the Houston Rockets say this? Why is it that it was only the Lakers that said that? Why is it? To me, my personal view was they knew they had created an S show. You know what I'm saying, an S show. And they needed somebody to be the fall man. And I think all of those guys were in on it. LeBron, AD, the late, all of them. If you notice that Russell Westbrook is not friendly with any of those dudes no more, Do you notice he don't even be shaking hands with none of them no more? He knows what happened. We all know what happened. But to have Shaquille O'Neal, a former Laker Pantheon player, come out and say that the Lakers tried to ruin that man's career. That is a damning comment. It ain't coming from Kawhi Leonard. It ain't coming from Paul Pierce. It's coming from Shaquille O'Neal. A person that helped bring three championships to the Los Angeles And he's the one saying it. We all know it was a hit job on Russell Westbrook. We all know this. Who don't know this? And my question is, did the vampire lose his powers? Cause why he ain't sucking nobody blood over there in the Clippers locker room? Why is everybody ecstatic about him? Why is Ty Lue always raving about him? Why is everybody always praising him? He's, he's he's such an unselfish player. When they brought in James Harden, somebody needed to make the sacrifice. It was Russell Westbrook, but he was this vampire. Everywhere you go, you're hearing positive stories. This he's a great teammate. He always looks out for people. He always. But when he was at the Lakers, he was horrible. He was horrible. And now he's not there no more. And they're kind of floundering. So who are you going to blame now? You can't blame AD because he's playing well. So who left? They're going to blame D'Angelo Russell. They're going to blame Darvin Ham. They're going to blame the valet, guy, the, guy, the guy parking cars at the valet. Like, who are they going to blame next? So to me, listen, Um, I think that Shaq was right to call it out. I think what Shaq said, a lot of people felt, a lot of people. And I think that the way that they went after him, the way that the entire machine kicked in on Westbrook, it actually started turning people who were never Russell Westbrook supporters into Russell Westbrook supporters. That, that's what happened. Because it got to the point where, because it was happening on TV, with Skip Bayless, with Shannon Sha everywhere you turned, everywhere you turned, they were crucifying Westbrook and it got to the point where we're like, you know what, we want to see this guy win. We want to see this guy win because, I mean, the, the amount of slander that he got over those two years was unlike anything that i've seen and not only did they affect his legacy they also affected his money they also affected his money russell Westbrook was a 30 million dollar a year guy by the time he was done with the lakers now i think they're paying him is it what three million or something like that three million he went from earning above 30 million to three million And you have people like Skip Bayless on TV talking about, right now, I think at this very moment, Patrick Beverly is a better basketball player than Russell But It got that bad. And the irony was, all of the NBA players, former and present, they were all defending Westbrook. All of them. All of them. All of them loved loved Russell Westbrook. So to me, man, shout out to Shaq for saying what needed to be said and uh, to have Shaq say it. Thank you for listening to today's show, and don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.